Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. Of course, we had some preseason episodes up for you, but this is week one. Week one content. Harley, my man, my partner in crime, does that get you psyched or what? I am at the edge of my seat. My hair is standing on end, and I feel like I've just been to the proctologist's office because I am aching and aching for the season to get started. I, I might have to go back and edit that out. I'm not sure. Um <laughs> I don't know if I'm aching, but I know I'm on edge. I mean, I'm ready for it. It seems like it takes forever to get here. Then when it gets here, it's gone in a blink of an eye. So one of the things I always try to say when people say, they say, you know, list three things that if you could give people advice on how to play the game, right? And I come up with different things about drafting and waiver wire. The last one I always say is have fun. That's why we play this game, right? Exactly. Except in DFS, that's to make money. Well, you know what? Last time I looked, making money was indeed fun. That is true. It's better than losing money because that's not fun. Um, In case we have any new listeners this year, let's give them a rundown of what it's going to look like. What we'll do is we'll usually have a, you know, something, a topic or two that we want to talk about with regards to how to manage your season-long stuff. And we might even hit on Dynasty later in the season. But we always have our DFS segment where we go over our pay-to-plays, stay-aways, and value plays. Usually it's one per position. Sometimes we get a little deeper in our talks and stuff like that. Week one, week two, week three, I find, as somebody that works in the industry, are the three most difficult weeks for me because of projections. There's no trends. I don't care who you think is going to do what. You just don't know till you get those trends that start to show up. From an offensive standpoint, who's going to be running plays, defensive, who can't stop the run, who can't stop the pass. You know, it's different things like that. Well, and to some degree, you can kind of estimate things based on their performances last year, but you also have to take into account players that they've lost, players that they've added, both yep. by a free agency as well as by the draft. Because a team that was really, really bad against a certain position, case in point, Arizona last year against the run, well, they improved their uh, defense quite a bit this year by adding a couple of veterans in their linebacker core. Uh, but does Arizona have anybody that can stop the pass this year right now? No. <laughs> I might smell some targets. I might smell some targets. I don't know, but I might smell some targets. Somebody might come up in DFS segment later. Gotcha. So, hey, I will tell you what. Um, one of the things that we also do is we always have our news segment, the Blitz Podcast News, where Harley um, gives us a bunch of little tidbits. And at this point, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm sure everybody else is waiting for it. So I'm just going to throw it over to Harley so that he can go over our Blitz Podcast News, and then we can get into things. Thank you, Steve. The Los Angeles Chargers have told Melvin Gordon that they will not discuss a contract extension with him until after the season. After that announcement, the Chargers front office staff also sent Gordon an email stating that they were in fact Nigerian royalty 
and that he should forward his bank information to them so that they could send him a check for the multiple millions of dollars they as is owed, which is according to them apparently due to an inheritance that Gordon was not aware of. <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings have released former punter Matt Weil to bring in Britton Colquitt. Colquitt is the younger brother of Chiefs punter Dustin Colquitt and the son of former punter Craig Colquitt and the nephew of former NFL punter Jimmy Colquitt. In related news, my name is now Harley Colquitt because I too want to land a multi-million dollar NFL contract. <laughs> the Houston Texans traded guard Martinez Rankin to Kansas City for Carlos Hyde just one day before Kansas City had already planned on releasing Hyde for nothing in exchange. I guess this just goes to show that the Texans really hated Rankin. <laughs> in addition to getting something for free for Carlos Hyde, the Chiefs subsequently waited one day after the Hyde deal to sign the recently released LaShawn McCoy. With the signing, McCoy is reunited with his former head coach, Andy Reid, which should help his familiarity with picking up the Chiefs' offense. When informed of the signing, Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill was most excited to learn that he would have someone on the roster to teach him how to deal with crazy ex-girlfriends. <laughs> and finally, Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil were dealt from the Miami Dolphins to the Houston Texans for a package including multiple future first-round draft picks. While most of the specifics of the deal have been announced, we can neither confirm nor deny whether or not Tunsil's gas mask bong was included in the deal. This has been your BPN News Update. So the McCoy-Tyreek bit, funny, not funny. Exactly. Um, I, I, did, I missed that. I completely forgot about that. But yeah, um, I've talked, I've met LaShawn McCoy before and talked to him. Seemed like a good guy, but that whole girlfriend thing, that's, that was a little nuts. Um, so well, it sounds like in both cases, that was the situation. Yeah. Both ways. Um, one of the things we didn't mention earlier before the news was the Damian Williams McCoy bit, the Zeke, um, you touched on Melvin a little bit. I don't need, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it for me. Zeke, if you drafted him, deal with it. I don't care if he's back Saturday. I'm not playing him week one. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I'm just not. I, I agree. I, I think that uh, at this point, even if he did spend the entire offseason training hardcore with uh, was it Marshall Falk in, in Cabo, yeah. uh, it's, it's, just, it's too big of a risk to play him in the first game back. And even if he does play, he's going to probably be on a snap count. Yeah. So I, I would say... I, I wouldn't play either of those guys if they happen to, if they happen to get their contract signed. Melvin Gordon or Zeke probably both belong on your bench week one. Now, in my case, I have both of them on one of my Empire League teams, so I will probably be forced to start Zeke as one of my running backs. But uh, if you can get away with not doing it, I would say uh, bench them too. And, and again, if you're in a re if you're in a redraft or a season long league and you drafted Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Hopefully you had the forethought to grab Tony Pollard in round nine or round 10 before someone else would have a chance to snake you on that player. Exactly. Um, you know, you'll hear people, they talk about timing between quarterbacks and receivers, right? 
Yes. I think there's also something to the timing from a running back standpoint, too. They have to know when and how their offensive line is holding the blocks and stuff like that. And, and Grant, hey, Zeke's the best, if not one of the best in the league doing this. But I just, me, my conservative nature, I would, I'd sit him down and try to play somebody else if he reported on Saturday and they said he was going to play Sunday. Um, they do play Sunday, right? I didn't even look at when they're playing. Yes. Okay. And then Melvin Gordon, if you drafted Gordon, you know that you have to be in for the long haul. So I drafted him in a league. I was like, okay, there's hope. I'm hopeful that he does wind up there in week one. It now appears that, no, he will not be there week one. He may miss four weeks. He could miss all the way out through week 10. What I'll say is he will be back. That's going to happen. He's not going to not accrue a year towards his free agency. So he'll be back by week 10 or 11 at worst. So if you drafted him, you've got to be in for the long haul as far as I'm concerned, unless you wind up in a spot just – that you really need that that bench spot and you're fighting for the playoffs. Otherwise, stash him and just wait. Uh, but I believe that both McCoy and Zeke, McCoy, um, that Melvin and Zeke will be back soon. Damian Williams, guy who had his value plummet with the signing of Mr. 3.2 yards per carry, LaShawn McCoy from last year. But you know what? You could truly see a 50-50 split here. And they probably should. I mean, both are very, very talented. And in that offense, a 50-50 split for those two guys yep. could make them both playable on a weekly basis, much like Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler last year in San Diego in Los Angeles. And I have McCoy, I have McCoy in a dynasty league on, a, on his last year contract. I, I've looked at trying to trade him to the Damian Williams owner, and I just I don't know what to ask for. I, I don't think I'm going to get enough back to warrant selling him. I may get shorted because he maybe gets hurt or he doesn't get as many touches as you expect. I think if you own McCoy, you sit and you wait and see what happens. Start him if you have to. Same with Damian Williams. Start him if you have to. Um, but Jacksonville's defenses, they're no joke. Yeah, and again, I mean, obviously you can do more against with the run and with your tight ends against Jacksonville's defense than trying to throw against their outside cornerbacks. But, uh, yeah, it, it's if there's a game that we have to kind of look at uh, the KC offense possibly struggling this would be the one that would arguably make the most sense because you, you have to think that uh, the offense might be just a little bit behind right now in terms of uh, getting themselves ready. Obviously, McCoy should know parts of the playbook, but yeah. it, it's going to it's gonna take some time for them all to get accustomed working with each other. And if, if I mean, I, I would never bench Patrick Mahomes week one, but obviously... You can't. Assume that he's going to have probably one of his lower statistical performances of the year. So I think right now we've already transitioned into what we, the subject we wanted to talk about was making the decisions for your lineup for week one, right? So Exactly. We'll, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes because he's part of, the, of why I, I wanted to talk about that. And it's also why I say quarterback, you can wait, right? If you wait long enough, you can play the matchup week one. If you spend the equity that it costs to get Patrick Mahomes, I don't care the matchup. You have to play him. And you know what? You shouldn't even have a backup on your team. You should have Patrick exactly. Mahomes. So you have to live with the ups and the downs. But did you know there was only one team, I believe, that Mahomes did not throw a passing touchdown against last year? Do you know who that happened to be? Jacksonville. Jacksonville, yes. And there are reports out that Tyreek is going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey, correct? Yes. Yeah. So – what I say with regards to week one, don't overthink it, right? Um, there are some situations that if you have a better option, and, and by that I mean your LaShawn McCoy, your Damian Williams, 
stuff like that, then okay, you, you can weigh the odds and the risk. But don't overthink your week one lineup. You drafted your first round guy to be your first round guy. You better play him, right? I don't care if it's Tyreek yep. being shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. You have to play him. That's yes. that's why we can also play DFS and avoid Tyreek if you wanted to. So, well, I think you've got to look at it from the standpoint of unless you took Ezekiel Elliott or Melvin Gordon in the first round, knowing that there was a chance that they might not be suited up for week one. You play the players you drafted in yep. round one and round two and round three even your first week. Where you can start making those decisions is maybe on your flex position or your running back three yep. or your wide, wide receiver, receiver four. Three or four. Yep, exactly. That's where that's where you can kind of weigh those decisions a little bit more week one. But otherwise, I mean, if, if you drafted someone in the first three rounds, unless you 100% know that they are not playing this week for whatever given reason, and there are a couple people that – may have been drafted in that range that aren't going to play this week. Right. Those people will be in your lineup this week. They must be in your lineup this week. So here's another one. Mike Williams. He was probably drafted as a wide receiver two or three for most people. Definitely. Right? And, you know, with the news of, oh, goodness, what's the what's their offensive lineman's name that's going to start Russell off? Russell Okun. Yeah, Russell Okun. It's going to start off on NFI, not available for the first six weeks. That That hurts Mike Williams – value going forward right now right that well, I think it hurts line, him, but I think it also hurts Hunter Henry perhaps even a little bit more because he's going to be asked to stay in and block a little bit more well but see is he or not that's and that's the question with Henry is either he's going to be in to block a lot because of it or week one will be a good tell are they going to use him in the short passing game because he can get open in short areas quickly and that's how they're going to you know Philip can get rid of the ball quickly but as a Mike Williams if you're an owner Mike Williams and he's your number two wide receiver, you're starting him. If you dra- got lucky and drafted him as a three or a four, then yeah, you might be able to make a decision. But if he's your wide receiver too, the makeup of your team warrants, you're going to have to live um, with what you get from him. But I do think week one, the Chargers will be another good team for us to see how they're going to do things, more than likely, so that we can help to make those calls as, was, as the season progresses. Exactly. Any other situations jump out at you to talk about? Um, no, not really. I mean, obviously, you've got players in new situations like Le'Veon Bell with the Jets. And uh, even in those situations, too, you, you drafted Bell in the first round. you you got to play with him. But now there is one other uh, gimmick that is becoming kind of popular now that uh, I, I was hoping to share a little bit with our with our listeners about, and that is – a new concept that uh, Paul Charchian has come up with called the Guillotine League. Tell me about the Guillotine League. Sounds interesting. Okay. Well, basically, uh, we find we, it, we draft seventeen teams, seventeen teams with a roster of anywhere from fourteen to sixteen players on the roster. Okay. And the lowest scoring team each week, their owner gets his head cut off. Uh, no, that'd be a little extreme. Okay. The the owner with the lowest score gets booted from the league. It's kind of like professional soccer in that state. Uh, the team that's worst at the end of the season gets booted or right relegated down to the lower level. Uh, but in this one, it's every single week. So after week one, whoever happened to have the team that performed the absolute worst week one, their team's no more. That team is disbanded. All of its players are put into the free agent pool. And then everybody else in the league 
gets to bid on the players on that team in free agency. So imagine uh, you could have a team that drafted Ezekiel Elliott, and all of a sudden Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play week one. That team ends up with the lowest score of the week. Week two, someone can go out and buy Ezekiel Elliott as a free agent. Doesn't that sound like fun? Actually, it does. And you know what it sounds like also is you better know when you want to be in on a guy because you're not going to win many players, big-name players, when they make the pool probably by being conservative. Well, there's that element, but also, so let's say that uh, the team that had Todd Gurley gets knocked out. In the week. Not, not, that's, too, that's too high of a name. Let's, uh, let's say Devonta Freeman. Okay. He's, he's a very good running back. He's, he's a running back one on a lot of teams, definitely at, at worst a running back two on most teams. Uh, Devontae Freeman's team may have been knocked out in week one because they're facing a pretty stout Minnesota Viking defense. Now, do you wager a lot of your free agent budget on Devonta Freeman, or do you hold on to that budget until week two when the team that drafted Christian McCaffrey may have the worst matchup of the week? And he might get available as a free agent. I would say it's going to depend on your team makeup. And if you feel like you were in the bottom 15, 16, you know, right there where you could have gotten knocked out and your running backs are weak, then you might need to make sure you go get another guy. But I guess ultimately the concept comes down to the oldest axiom. Uh, If you're in the woods with a group of people and you're being chased by the bear, you don't have to be the fastest one in your group. You just don't want to be the slowest. There you go. I like that. I do. I like that. Um, so yeah, uh, that sounds like a very interesting concept. I actually have a couple concepts I'm working on for next year. Um, if I can find somebody to sell one of the ideas to, in a sense, to get them to turn it into a DFS, um, type of game. Then there's another draft type game that I'm working on. And then I'm also looking at possibly trying to rekindle the ultimate drafter series with a twist. Interesting. And for those that don't know what the Ultimate Drafter series is, that's where you are in 12 drafts all at the same time against anonymous people, so you don't know anybody's name, so you can't learn their tendencies. And in each draft, you're going to draft from a different draft position, 1 through 12. And then their best ball, total points, end of the year, you see who is the Ultimate Drafter by accumulating the most points by drafting in every one of those 12 positions. So I think that would be fun to do with just uh, a group of 12 experts, too. Yeah, we did it a couple of years ago, maybe three, four years ago or something like that. But I'm going to try and see if I can't re- rehash that and get somebody to create a um, system that makes the drafting part of it easier um, and more intuitive so that it's actually something that you can do. Because it's not like it takes long to do 12 drafts when they're simultaneous. We're always checking, am I up yet? Am I up yet? Am I up yet? Right? You'll always be up in that draft. So... Tell you what I'm up for now. Making some money? Sure. Well, making our people money. How's that? That works too. Yeah. Um, Not going to get into what I heard on Twitter. I kind of came in at the end of a conversation, people not being transparent if they sell stuff. And, you know, that. look, that's why we're here, right? I'm not holding anything back. I'm telling you who I like, and if I like them, I'm probably playing them. If I don't like them, I may not play them. And sometimes you just might make enough lineups that you play people you don't like because you want to try and – limit some of your risk. But we're going to try exactly. and give you some of the plays that we think are the best, the worst, and some good value plays. So let's start with our pay-to-plays. How many are we going to match on? Uh, let me look here. I've got one. Actually, let's. are we going to do it by that, or are we going to do it by position? 
Uh, well, there's only three at each one, so let's do the overall. I think that's the best way to do it. Okay. How many are we going to match at overall today? I am going to say three. I'm going to take the over. I think we're going to be at six. Wow. Okay. I have faith. You want to start us off? <laughs> yes. Uh, so let's start us off with the position you love to hate, the quarterback position. Yes. And let's let's put this disclaimer out there for our people too. Again, Harley and I do not talk about this in advance of the recording, so he doesn't know what I'm going to say, and I don't know what he's going to say. Um, but go ahead. Take us off with my favorite position. Well, so at the pay-to-play position at quarterback – I, I had a really tough time because I actually like a lot of the guys at the top yeah. of the uh, dollar spectrum here. So I, I kind of looked at them and said, you know what? I'm not going to pay up for Patrick Mahomes or Jameis Winston. Cam Newton's got some injury question marks. The guy that I'm willing to pay a little bit higher for this week is Russell Wilson versus Cincinnati. His price on DraftKings is 6300 On FanDuel, he's at 8200 which is uh, – right in line with, with Patrick Mahomes' price there. Uh, Cincinnati returns the entire same starting secondary that allowed the most passing yards per game last year. They didn't improve at all. <laughs> so um, can you see that? I cannot. I have no video. You have no video. Okay. I thought I was sharing. Anyway, um, I had it down to two people, Russ and Jameis, and I went with Russ. Um, Excellent. And I also like the fact that Russ – is at home. Um, yes. I, I can't fault somebody for playing Jameis, but I, I just I think Russ is a safer play. And you know Russell scored zero touchdowns running last year? That's just impossible to believe. Yeah, but he did, and I think that he gets that righted in week one. That's something that you can't say for next year. So well, who are you staying away from at quarterback? I am staying away from the man that everybody spent way too much draft capital on, Pat Mahomes. Well, I think we talked about it a little bit before. Yep. The, pa- the past defense of the Jacksonville Jaguars is legit. Uh, they added the uh, rookie defensive uh, and outside linebacker uh, edge specialist who looked absolutely just ridiculously dynamic this preseason. Uh, I-, I can get behind that, but that is not the guy I chose oh, because I thought that that was just too obvious. Okay. I am staying away from Cam Newton versus the Rams. He's at 6,500. On DraftKings, seventy nine hundred on FanDuel. The Rams' defense—they're not as great as they were last year. They lost a couple pieces, but they're still pretty darn elite. Uh, Cam is supposedly over his foot and ankle and knee and lower extremity injuries that he's supposedly had all summer. But even if he's a hundred percent, I just don't think he'll run as much because he doesn't want to risk re-injuring that at this price range. There's just a lot safer options. Guys like Russell Wilson at basically the same price. Baker Mayfield at roughly the same price. Jameis Winston at roughly the same price. Yep. I'll tell you, when it comes to a play, I want zero question marks if I'm paying up for somebody. And I don't know about that foot. I don't care what they say. I don't believe anything a coach says. Um, so, yeah, I want to see it before I, before I go with it. So, I just I can't believe you didn't use Pat Mahomes as your stay away. You stay I, just thought, I thought it was too obvious to go with Pat Mahomes. I think that uh, – Everyone is going to have one or two lineups where they stack the Chiefs yeah. just to be a contrarian. And you got to do it because if, if you're playing in the big tournaments, you want to have multiple lineups whenever possible. So throwing a lineup out there that's heavy with Chiefs 
it is worth it for the deepest of tournaments. But as far as saying your cash game lineups, it it's just it's not a good matchup this week. Okay, so who's your value play? I'm going to go with Matthew Stafford at Arizona. His price is 5,400 on DraftKings, 6,600 on FanDuel. Arizona is going to be without their only two even slightly decent defensive backs this week. Uh, Stafford has a fully healthy Marvin Jones, and he's bringing back Kenny Galladay. Plus, he's got two new toys at tight end, TJ Hawkinson and former Pittsburgh Steeler Jesse James to exploit those third and fourth stringers that the Cards will be starting in their secondary. So not a bad one. I considered him, didn't write him down as one of my final you know, decisions I had to make. But um, my value play is probably a little bit risky because he's on the road. I do like you know, my value plays to be playing at home, friendly confines, especially when it's their first start after you know, a guy retires two weeks before the season starts. Um, but I'm going with Jacoby Brissett because I think that he can, at a minimum, make some things happen with his legs also. And you know that Chargers – Team is already getting hammered from an injury standpoint. They've lost Erwin James. Um, so, and you know what? Home games in LA aren't exactly home games for the Chargers usually because they just don't draw very well there. So, I think Jacoby Brissett's going to surprise a few people this week. Well, and again, at the bottom of the price range yes. on both DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, I feel he's going to be a fairly popular choice Probably. in, in uh, mass uh, GPPs. But at the same time, it, it certainly is worthwhile for you to consider stacking him with his receivers and, and possibly even with Eric Ebron, although I think that the Chargers are pretty good against tight ends, or at least they've been historically good against tight ends. Uh, so maybe avoid Ebron this week. We don't really know about their connection, but just throw a couple lineups out there with him and uh, T.Y. and see what you get. Okay. All right, so let's run on up to running back. Not too close. Uh, running back. I'm going to go ahead – and pay up for the for one of the most expensive guys on the list, and that's Saquon Barkley at Dallas. He's at 9000 on DraftKings, 9200 on FanDuel. Uh, at least for the first few games this year, Saquon will likely lead the Giants in both rushing and receiving. When Week 4 and Golden Tate return, eh, things might change. Dallas' defense is pretty good, but despite uh, a little bit of a slump over the last year and a half or so, where they've played a few unders. Historically speaking, when Dallas and the Giants have faced off, they've had some pretty big combined scores. Again, like I said, the last five games have been a little bit lower, but before that, uh, during the term of, uh, of Eli and Dak's early, well, Eli's late season, uh, late, late career and Dak's early career, there were a lot of high-scoring games between these teams. So I think Saquon is still going to be a productive play. If you're going to pay up at the running back position, you might as well pay up for him. Yep, and I did not pay up for him. Um, I usually do like to pay up in the higher tiers when there's that serious break. Like, you know, you have McCaffrey, 8,800, Barkley, 9,000, Zeke is at 92. The Gurleys, the David Johnsons, the Melvin Gordons that are in that 75 to 7,900 range, I usually consider a tier down, and I don't usually call them my pay-ups. But this week, I am paying up for David Johnson. He's at home. Detroit is supposed to have a, a, a slightly better defense, you would think, um, but they've suffered some injuries in the linebacker position, and I'm interested. There's risk, I think, associated with Johnson, um, but it's going to be interesting to see the air raid offense, and I think he's going to catch a lot of passes this week also. You know, I, I seriously consider Johnson myself. Uh, my only concern was with the uh, with the rushing game itself. 
in that situation there. I, I mean, obviously Detroit, uh, they don't have uh, a Haley Nada anymore, but uh, they did get uh, Snacks Harrison in the last Snacks year. There, yep. And when Detroit got Harrison last season, it seemed from that point on, their defense was very, very stout against the run. They, at the start of the season, they were getting gashed right and left. But as soon as Harrison got there, that defense suddenly got a little bit more stout. Now, certainly there may be some injuries at the linebacker position, which might change things up. And David Johnson definitely will be involved in the passing game there. So, Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's going to be involved in the passing game, which makes him a safe play in my mind, um, even if it, there isn't enough running um, to go between the tackles as such. Six, eight receptions I think is easy for him this week. Six to eight receptions will certainly get the job done at that price point. Again, while we're talking about various price points at running back, the player that I'm going to stay away from is Todd Gurley at Carolina. His price is 7900 and 7600 on FanDuel, which is fairly close to the range that David Johnson is in. Uh, I'd like to see a game or two to see what sort of split uh, they use with Gurley as far as uh, Daryl Henderson and, and Malcolm Brown. I, I still think Gurley's going to have a pretty decent game. At least at the end of the year last year, Carolina started to fall apart a little bit against the run. But his price tag, while it isn't horrible, and it's certainly not tied early 10000 like we're used to seeing in the past, I just I like David Johnson, I like Nick Chubb, and I like Le'Veon a lot better in this price range. So I'm with you. Um, my stay away, it's another match for us. I've got Gurley, and it's because it's a question mark. We don't know how they're going to use him. And that's that, that hurts because... I'm going to feel more comfortable using him earlier in the season than I am later, more than likely, because of his injury. If it is arthritic and he has problems, it's going to surface with more use probably. But we just don't know how they're going to use him. And because of that, I can't touch his price point. If he was at $5,000, I might not touch that price point. Well, when we're talking about $5,000, that's kind of the value range. Who Who are you playing as your value play at running back? So I had a few guys that I liked, but a guy that I think was being overlooked in drafts this summer, especially of late, um, and just he's a baller. He's going to make points um, for the fantasy owners, both in redraft and DFS. I like Matt Breida this week at four grand. I think that's what he's at. Um, let's see, 4000 and 5400 He would be in just about every lineup I put together more than likely. I actually like him too. I'm a little concerned about the split there as well with uh, with Tevin Coleman. Uh, I'm going to kind of zig when everyone else is zagging at value this week. Uh, I think a lot of people will be on Tony Pollard at his price tag, particularly if Zeke doesn't play. Yeah. That's all the more reason to not put Tony Pollard into your lineup, even though it's, it's really a, uh, a rock star role for him. I'm looking at that same price range, and there's two other rookie running backs that I would like to play. And that's uh, Sanders from Philadelphia versus Washington and Devin Singletary at the Jets. Both are in that same range. Sanders, 3,906,000. 6, Singletary at 3,600 and 5,300. Again, everyone and their sister is going to be playing Tony Pollard this week on the DFS team. You can differentiate yourself and get a good matchup. Uh, Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard at his price point will both have favorable game scripts. Because the Eagles will be spending most of the second half wearing out the clock when they jump up really big. And I did look at Miles Sanders. Um, not Singletary. I don't want to see him on the road. First game against a division rival, the Jets. Um, just didn't want any parts of that. But I think that Sanders will see his price get adjusted 
you know, in the in the coming weeks because his workload will increase. I did give him some serious consideration, though. Okay, at the wide receiver position, I'm going to go up near the top again. I'm going to pay for Odell Beckham versus Tennessee. 8,100 on DraftKings, 8,200 on FanDuel. This is Beckham's first home game for his new team. Beckham will want to show out. I think Mayfield will want to show off his new toy. Mayfield looked pretty darn good last year throwing the ball to a bunch of no-names. He's got a serious weapon here. I know there's been some question marks about his hip. I'm not buying into that test. He's got pretty decent defense. I think uh, Malcolm Butler, is he the number one cornerback there this year, Steve? Oh, I, you know, I'm not even sure if he's – that's one of those defensive backfields that I'm waiting to see exactly how they handle it, quite honestly. But it, it, I don't think it's really going to matter. Beckham has played well yes. against premier cornerbacks before. Uh, if you're going to pay up again, just like with the uh, running back position, if you're going to pay up, pay up for the best. That's Beckham. So I'm not paying up for Beckham. Not that I can criticize that move, not at all, but I'm close. Um, Julio Jones, I know it's on the road, but Julio has always shown up on the road. His small games were early in his career, were at home usually. Um, and I, the, the biggest fear I have is Minnesota really, really, really pounding the rock and shortening the game offensively. But I think Julio's in for a superior year. I think we see double-digit touchdowns this year. And early on, I see people going, man, why did I pass on Julio? I want him in my DFS lineup week one. Well, and so people may look at this matchup and say, well, isn't he facing Minnesota? And don't they have a really good uh, pair of shutdown cornerbacks? Well, yeah, they did. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, uh, Trey Waynes, they also get back last year's first-round pick, Mike Hughes. He will be able to play in this game. And uh, former third-round pick, Mackenzie Alexander, is actually going to line up uh, to cover the slot receiver for Minnesota's defense. But people who have been watching the preseason, watching camp right now, may have noticed that the Minnesota Vikings' Xavier Rhodes, who was previously known as Rhodes to Nowhere or Rhodes Closed, He's looked a little bit uh, like he's slipping a little bit. Human. So he's definitely looked human so far. It remains to be seen if he was just holding back for the regular season. But uh, definitely something to watch there. I'd consider Jones. I'm not going to put a lot of stock in him this week. But, uh, again, Julio's a great offense. It should be a fairly high-scoring game, I think, too. Yeah, I do think it can be a high-scoring game. Like I said, I liked the top three honestly, at wide receiver, and you can flip a coin on all three of them. Um, who is your stay away at wide receiver? Well, much how I'm a little wary about Xavier Rhodes, but not a lot, I am very wary about Jalen Ramsey. Yes. And Jalen Ramsey has been quoted as saying he is going to shadow Tyreek Hill this week. Now, Reek's price is 7600 on both sites, which is really high. And you know what? Last year... Ramsey shadowed Hill in their, pre- in, their, in their one matchup. He held Hill to only four catches and 61 yards. That is what you're hoping for out of Hill. Ceiling. The other thing you're hoping for is maybe he gets a return touchdown. Right. That, yeah, because his ceiling is very low this week, I think. Um, we match. That's, that's our third match. Now we get to see if we go over with what we have left. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Tyreek was one of the first ones I penciled in. Um, wanted no parts of Ramsey this week. My value play this week is Marvin Jones at Arizona. He's at 4,800 on DraftKings, 6,100 on FanDuel. 
I talked a little bit before about Arizona's secondary being shorthanded. Well, Galladay is going to command the most attention, leaving Marvin Jones to still eat and for a lot less money than Galladay's price tag. Now, I certainly don't have an issue with people sticking Galladay in their lineup this week. I, but you know what? Much like I talked about with avoiding Tony Pollard, particularly in GPPs, because everyone's going to have Tony Pollard, if everybody is going to have Kenny Galladay in their lineup, the way to get exposure to the passing game against Arizona is to take Marvin Jones instead. Yeah, as mouth-watering as that matchup looks, I wasn't able to get any of those guys in any of my lineups this week. Um, but I have three guys scrawled on my notes that I was like torn between. So one was Trey Quinn. Um, the Redskins have absolutely nothing um, at receiver, and Trey very well could lead that team in receptions this year. Um, the other is a guy that was cut in final cutdowns, but then re-signed with the team, Jerron Brown, um, which would be a little mini stack with Russell Wilson. But the guy I'm going to go with doesn't have the best matchup in the world, probably wasn't drafted a whole lot in redraft leagues, but I think Cole Beasley is going to eat a little bit this year. And at 3,600, 4,800, he's a great end-of-roster wide receiver value play in my mind. Eight, ten balls easily could be what he catches this week. It may only be for 60 or 70 yards, um, but if it's PPR, he's going to eat. Well, and he did did establish a bit of a rapport with Josh Allen during this preseason and during camp. Uh, I think... Obviously, they've got some other weapons in that passing game. Uh, Zay Jones, Robert Foster, John Brown, Smokey. And uh, so there's going to be other weapons that Ellen can throw to, and certainly Ellen's going to run the ball, as we showed last year he was capable of doing that. But again, yeah, Beasley uh, has the ability to have a bit of a breakout in a PPR format, and that's what really gets you paid on, on DFS is finding those cheap wide receiver threes that are going to catch a lot of passes. Yep, yep. So let's run on up to tight end. And remember, I shocked the world, I guess, kind of when I did not have the same big three that everybody else has. Um, I had Kelsey at number one, but I didn't have Kittle or Ertz in my top three. So the guy I'm paying up for, believe it or not, is one of those three. Um, it's Mr. Kittle this week. I Look, I'm excited to see what Bruce Arians is going to do with that Tampa Bay offense, but that defense is still has a lot to prove before I'm willing to say that, you know, I'm going to think twice about who I'm playing against them. I considered Kittle this week. I'm still – I'd like to see him get another game in, though, too. It sounds like he's been battling a lot of injuries this preseason. Uh, so I slayed slightly away from him and went with Evan Ingram at Dallas, 4,800 on DraftKings, 6,400 on FanDuel. In games without Odell Beckham last season, Ingram absolutely ate. It's really got to be more of the same this year to start out. I think that, uh, well, over the two games that Dallas faced last year against Ingram, they allowed 12 catches, 148 yards, and a touchdown in each of the two games. So uh, Ingram at Dallas with no Odell Beckham there, uh, with no Golden Tate, it, it should just be a fair play. He's like a wide receiver play honestly, this first part of the season. I like Ingram a lot. You know me. He's at 4,800, and he got 71, 66, 61. He got three guys above six grand. So if we're talking pay up, I just always feel like it's a little bit of a cheat with going with somebody that's so close to, you know. But he is top five. He's ranked, you know, top five on the site. So I don't, I don't mind that play at all. I have a feeling we're going to match on our stay away, possibly. 
I'm going to stay away from O.J. Howard versus San Francisco. Nope. Now, Howard should be featured more in the offense this year. We talked about that during the preseason. I love O.J. Howard. I had him ranked, I believe, fourth on my tight end list coming into this year. But San Francisco allowed the fourth fewest receptions to the tight end position last year. So among the high-priced tight ends this week, I think he's got the least appealing matchup. I can see that. Um, the guy I'm avoiding is the top-ranked guy. Um, so I've got a triple stack on my stay away of Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey. Of those three, if there was one that I felt that was going to be a safer play, it's Kelsey. I just think that his ceiling is limited this week for, I don't think you get three times value on him in a DFS play. And I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, which in tune, just there's less to go around point wise. So I just feel like I'm not going to pay up for that with all the other options that are out there right now for pretty good prices. Well, I'm actually, I, I don't mind Kelsey this week, but I agree. I don't think he's going to hit 3x performance. But I think what passes Mahomes does throw this week will be filtered through the center of the field. And that's kind of Kelsey's domain. We'll also see a few passes to McCoy, a few passes to uh, Williams Williams out of the backfield. Uh, But you know what? Tyreek Hill is going to be shadowed. I assume Sammy Watkins is going to get, uh, is it A.J. Boye on the other side there? Yep. Yes. So it's going to be... It passes that Mahomes throws successfully will probably be filtered through the center of the field. And that's possible. I just I don't see three times, so that's why I'm going to stay away from him. I absolutely agree. I don't think he's going to get three times either. And you tend to be the tight end whisperer, so I'll go first. I had two guys that I was really struggling between. <clears throat> One was a preseason darling of sorts. The other, I think, has gone completely unnoticed. Um, Mark Andrews and Gusecki from Miami – at the end of the day, Miami's got to throw the ball to someone. Albert Wilson's probably going to have a good day. But I'm going to say that at three grand and 4900 I'll go with Gusecki this week as my value play at tight end. Well, if I was going to go really, really cheap this week at tight end, I would play Jesse James because I feel that uh, Detroit will utilize him in the passing game a little bit more to start the season, and TJ Hawkinson will be used more as a pass blocker until he gets fully up to speed in the offense. But – I'm kind of cheating a little bit at tight end this week and going against digging deep for a deep, deep price cut because the price cuts of most of the uh, most of the guys is it's not that high, particularly yeah. on DraftKings. On FanDuel, this guy's price is a little high, so I wouldn't call him a value on FanDuel. But on DraftKings, his price tag is only like thirty nine hundred. Yeah, I know who you're going to here, and that's. Hunter Henry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy going with Henry here because we we think about Indianapolis's defense and it was so improved last year. They added so many great pieces in their defense, but they still struggled really bad against tight ends, allowing the absolute most yards and receptions to the position. Now we we talked a little bit about it uh, in, earlier in the show that uh, we might be a little concerned about him having to block a little bit more. But then again, he might catch a few more short passes because of the injury to Okun uh, there. But, you know, again, Indy's defense still getting better, still uh, still very young. And again, unless they've really addressed something this spring, and I don't think they have, they've got to figure out a way to shut down tight ends, which they really did not do yet last year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that Indy team comes together with, the, you know, 
passing of Andrew Luck. Um, passing uh, the retirement of Andrew Luck two weeks ago. So guess what, buddy? It feels like a passing, doesn't it? It does in a sense. Yes. It, and, and you say that from, look, I get it. I understand why he did it. I'm not going to begrudge him for it, but as a fan, it's kind of like you feel cheated just to see what his career would have been. You know what I mean? It would have been one of those things where you could tell grandchildren about how Andrew Luck used to play type thing. So, but it is what it is. But we do have the advantage now of saying that Indianapolis, uh, in addition to Jacoby Brissett, also has Brian Hoyer now on their team as a backup. So, yes, it's, I wonder which which other former Patriot quarterback will sign with them next. <laughs> yeah, Matt Castle maybe. Exactly. So, um, I gotta say, week one, you nailed it. Three. I, I just I, I felt like I was a little obtuse with a couple of my picks, and that's kind of why I thought might might go off the rails, but. Uh, we did get three, which is always good. We did, and you know what? Two of them were the stayaways, which can be just as important as giving somebody a good big play as to who to stay away from. And I think that if you truly were being honest with yourself, Pat Mahomes is definitely a stayaway this week, and, and that would have been three of the four stayaways. So um, hopefully that helps people. Exactly. Well, you know, that's going to wrap it up for us, unless you have anything special that you'd like to add. Um, what I want to add is that, of course, they can reach out to – they our listeners can reach out to Harley or myself if they have any questions as the week pro- goes along. You can look Harley up on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. You can look me up at Steve Gallo NFL. If you have the ability and wherewithal and want to go to iTunes and rate us and review us, that would be greatly appreciated also. And, of course, if you're not a member of the huddle and you're just taking in the free content, do yourself a favor – and pay up for that membership. It will pay off in spades for you um, by the end of the season. So until next week, as always, get Blitz responsible. Cheers. <laughs>